Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer. What's up? I'm here with Kenna McEnroe, announcer, announcee, announcess. Mm-hmm. Announce. Yeah. Uh, And also to my left is Hottie Patati, Will Schmidt. How you doing today, Will? I'm great. Yeah, Will. Well, how you doing today? I'm great. Oh, you already said that. I did already say that. Will made some chocolate. I know. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to test it. We're going to test it by eating it. Mm-hmm. So if this is your first time hearing us, shame on you. And if you haven't liked us yet on Facebook, go ahead and follow us at Kick It In The Nuts, and that's where we post topics every Sunday. And then you guys can ask your questions, and then we'll weigh in on them in the podcast. Have you noticed that Kenneth starts every show by shaming everybody right away? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a Catholic. In trouble. Way, yeah. It's Irish Catholic. It's the Church of Christ girl <laughs> Um, so remember when we didn't even have a sponsor? Well, that was silly. I remember so that. Now audible.com is giving our listeners a free audiobook of their choice. Kick it in the nuts. Just because we say audible.com. 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 To find the link, go to kick it in the nuts dot com forward slash audiobook and we know your first book is going to be the kick it in the nuts. Kick your fat in the nuts. It's yeah. free. Yeah. You can yeah. get it for free if you're getting a, a free book. And if you're lazy like me and you don't like to read, well, then you can put it on in your car and you can listen right. to it. And Books have all those words. Yeah. But if somebody's going to tell much. me the words, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. But i got to look at all these words and decipher what word is, is what. Yeah, mm, and then eventually we'll have the documentary, and then you won't even have to just listen. You can look you can and listen watch. and watch right. mm-hmm. while you eat potato chips. And, and popcorn, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so today's topic, huh? Alkaline diets and alkaline water. See, I can't even talk yet. Alkaline water, fact and fiction about pHs. Yeah, this is a this is a good topic. Then, and you know, we get these questions a lot because there's a lot of information out there about pHs and alkalizing and alkalize or die and alkalize, 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 and and the science behind this uh, movement is very convincing. And we can say that because both Will and I believed this science long ago. And, and before we even knew each other, we separately came across this. Uh, we separately um, researched it and we separately believed it. And now we look at each other and we point and we laugh. We actually we met in an AA group in Alkaline Anonymous. Yeah, Alkaline Anonymous. Recovering from that. <laughs> we were recovering <laughs> from being overly alkaline. Um, but so if if you're following this now and you believe the, the, the stories that they present with this diet and, and this philosophy, then we're not calling you stupid because, because we believe it too. It's just we're stupid. Yeah. It's just that and we're like all us. stupid and way so. to go. So you can <laughs> hang out with all the stupid kids. But there is some truth to what is being said for specific people. So today's show is going to be about... 
understanding what's right, what's wrong, and even more importantly, understanding how to figure out for yourself what's right and what's wrong. So we're going to kind of talk, teach you how to run very simple tests that you know, there's only a couple you really need to look at um, that you can do at home, uh, and you can figure out for yourself if you know, do I need to look at foods that are quote unquote alkalizing? Do I am I overly acidic or or what's bunk and what's not? Tests always freak me out. I mean, I always think I'm just going to fail. You don't have to know? study. Okay, good. Yeah, good, good. That's the beauty of a pop oh, test. Good. Or most people can pee on a stick and do just fine. Oh well, <laughs> <Those> people. <laughs> yeah, some have to wash their hands a lot afterwards, but mm-hmm. that's that's. A don't eat thing. off of your bathroom floor. Right. I'm okay, kidding. I won't. <laughs> Um, so first of all, let's talk about some things that are misleading and we'll have Will explain a few things cause he has lots of fancy junk in his brain, hmm. but what goes on is people will come to us and they'll say, what should I eat? Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm acidic. They'll say that I'm acidic and, uh, it's really not true because when we talk about acid and alkaline and is someone, uh, is their pH off? We need to know what the heck they're talking about. What uh, fluid or compartment or tissues, what are we talking about that's overly acidic and overly alkaline? Because different compartments of the body are greatly different in pH values. Mm-hmm. Will. Yeah. So, yeah, if you are concerned about like thinking you're too acidic or too alkaline, you should know that like the body is not meant to be just acid or just alkaline. It's meant to be a composite of polarities, like all these different regions that have polar opposites. Some are positive and some are negative. And just like a battery, that creates ionic flow for energy exchange. So there's different appropriate pHs for all the different compartments separated by membranes. And one of our favorite researchers, Dr. Emmanuel Rubici, got really into this and understanding. At first, he thought, too, like pH was the big thing. And then he realized it had much more to do with the health of all the membranes separating all these different fluid compartments. So there's different appropriate pHs for like inside the nucleus, inside the cell, in between the cells, in the different cells of the body. And then also, um, we'll probably focus a lot on this, very different pHs throughout the different segments of the digestive system. And our pHs are really controlled by the health of those membranes. So we'll, we'll do a lot probably in this podcast talking about shifting your attention to does your body have the right health of membranes to help regulate all those different polarities and different pHs in the different compartments? And then we also want to look at like uh, understanding the basics of digestion. And when you understand the basics of digestion, you realize that the whole alkalizing movement is ridiculous. Right. And, and one good point to look at is, you know, we talk a lot about digestion and how uh, stomach acid has to be appropriate for you to be able to break down food. And then when that acidic product leaves your stomach, it meets with this bile that is very alkaline. And, and it's the opposite uh, hitting like that that makes that sizzle. And we can break apart all our food. And we have a lot of podcasts, and we talk about that in all of our books and courses. So if you're new, you can check that out to understand how digestion really works. But what's important is to understand that if the stomach is not acidic and the bile is not flowing and it's not alkaline then that collision does not work appropriately and we can't break down our food. So the mistake that a lot of people make is they'll look at one fluid and the pH will be uh, leaning towards an acidic pH and they'll think, oh, well, everything's wrong. I need everything to be more acidic. 
But if you, you know, acid, you know, alkalized your stomach acid, you're going to cause problems and you can't digest food. So it's important to understand what you're looking at. Now, we use pHs of a lot of things in everything that we do. So we're not saying that looking at pH is wrong or even looking at urine pH is wrong, etc. But a lot of these pH gurus look at pH as if it is steering how the body functions. Um, it's almost like if the weather is not, you know, a barometer gives you an indication of what the weather is like outside. So the pH gurus, the way they explain it, it seems like they would also think that if you changed a barometer, it would make it rain. Or a, a dog that's growling at you and about to bite you, if you went up to that dog and just grabbed its tail and wagged it back and forth, then that makes the dog happy because the dog's tail is wagging. So... What we need to understand is what can pHs tell us and what's causing those pHs to be there, but that doesn't mean that doing something to force that pH to change is going to change how the body is uh, operating. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to know that in looking at your own chemistry, pH of your urine and pH of your saliva are not the only things you want to look at when you're trying to assess if you are overly alkaline or overly acidic in particular ways. Like looking at your breath rate is also a big indicator of where your body's leaning metabolically as well as your breath hold time. Um, I talk more about that in depth in a blog post on mybodyofknowledge.net. If you just type in the little search box, body chemistry imbalances, it gets into looking at those different factors of your breath rate, your breath hold time, your urine and your saliva pH, and how different uh, combinations like, say, a fast breath rate and a high urine pH, like what kind of pH imbalance you might be in. Because you can be overly alkaline in three different ways. You can be overly acidic in three different ways. And you can be a combination of like overly alkaline right. in one and overly acidic in two other ways, like metabolically, respiratory, potassium-related, alkalosis and acidosis are all like interplaying with each other as your body tries to balance it out. So it's way more complicated than people think of like, oh, I'm just too acid. Right. So let's let's back up for a second and first explain what true acidosis is. Because basically when people come to us that are, have researched or studied some type of um, alkalizing diet or I'm using this alkalizing water filter that only it only cost me $7,000 and I'll have it paid off just before I retire. Um, so that's usually the most popular thing that people are, are doing. So when the situation is that it is possible for a person to be too acidic, but what we're talking about is their blood pH because that's what really matters. Our, the pH of our blood is it's able to stay within a very narrow range without us just dying. And so the body does a lot of things to keep that in check, but it is possible for that blood pH to veer a little bit too acidic, just like the pH gurus are saying. So that's very possible. And, you know, maybe 30, 40% of the people that we see are in a situation like that where their, their blood pH is leaning too acidic. And when it does, that can cause problems with oxidation. All, all kinds of stuff can go wrong. So if you can take steps to improve that situation for a person, man, they can, there's a lot of good stuff that can happen. 
and some of those things can be almost miraculous. So what happens is a pH guru uh, helps somebody fix this situation. Their improvement is miraculous, so they say this must be right for everybody. The problem is that if an imbalance can occur in any situation, that means there is always another imbalance in the opposite direction. It's impossible not to have an imbalance in the opposite direction. If, if there wasn't, then there would be no place where things would be balanced. There has to be a middle ground where things are good. So the pH gurus kind of explain that acid is very bad, but they never stop to mention that, oh, yeah, you can become, your bloodstream can be too alkaline as well. And even for those individuals who are leaning in that acidic blood pH, the method that like alkaline gurus will use to push them into a more alkaline situation where they temporarily feel better mm -hmm. is not necessarily the best mid or long term approach. Right, it's causing other problems. Let's we'll we'll get to that in a second. So hold on to your problems. Hold <laughs> just hold on, callers. We're getting a lot of callers right now. Oh, they're they're mm -hmm. just Phones coming in every hook. second. Christmas we don't, is early. We don't have a phone, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so let's first talk for a second about. Uh, why a blood leaning too alkaline can even be a problem. I mean, alkaline or acid? Too, al too alkaline. Okay, you yeah. know, we just talked that there's benefits when blood is leaning too acidic to bring that back to balance, but most people who are in this world of alkalizing don't understand the problems that occur from being too alkaline. And the funny thing is that most of us learned about one of the major problems in like 10th grade. You know, when we learned about the Bohr effect and mm. in science class and yeah. stuff. Y'all had science? Yeah. Oh, we didn't in Legoland. You land. just chased the hogs around yeah, exactly. and that was science class? Mm -hmm. Well, I would always eat like five cookies at lunch, so I was always asleep during... Science, yeah, so you didn't hear <laughs> yeah, about... Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. I learned it later. Um, my science teacher was really hot, so oh. I remember that she <laughs> mentioned the Bohr effect <laughs> nice. specifically. Um, so let's talk about problems that come from a bloodstream that is leaning too alkaline. Sure, so... When the blood is too alkaline and the blood cells pass through the lungs, that alkalinity actually facilitates oxygen uptake by the blood cells. So the blood cells look super full. If you look at them under a microscope, they look like incredibly like inflated balloons, right? But they never let go of that oxygen until they run into carbonic acid, which sort of like is a little like chauffeur that pulls the oxygen out of the blood and into the tissues. Right. So when your bloodstream is overly alkaline, like if you're like taking pH alkalizing drops and baking soda and that kind of stuff, then all that carbonic acid gets neutralized by those alkaline reactors in the in the bloodstream so your blood cells do this fantastic job of picking up all this oxygen but they can't let it go and that is a big problem because even though you're like in fresh air or whatever your tissues are suffocating and that results in anxiety and this other phenomenon called tetany which is muscle cramping it's essentially like the cells can't make energy because they don't have oxygen to perform oxidation. And so they'll start to clench and cramp like a dead person, like rigor mortis. Mm -hmm. We often think that like it takes energy for a muscle to flex, but if you look at a dead person, like that complete innervation or depletion of energy, that causes the muscles to go into complete contraction. So when I got way too alkaline, I started to get both of those things, like really anxious for no apparent reason, just sitting there, barely breathing, which can also cause sleep apnea at night. And then I'd get this, like, sort of like if you were to sit on your foot, you know, and you couldn't 
you, you know, like a tourniquet kind of effect, right. where it starts to clench and cramp and tingle. That's what tetany feels like, and your your hands can lock up like a stroke victim. And uh, I would get that all the time if I just like put my arm back over a chair. It would just clench up. Right, and, and I, I hate when I'm operating. My body's operating like a dead person. Yeah, it's not I, fun. I, I prefer that it, it not do that. And so what happens is, and this is what uh, Mrs. Kaminsky called the bore effect. Oh, Mrs. Kaminsky. <laughs> Let's just bring up a picker. Right. Um, and so what happens is when the blood is overly alkaline, it, it doesn't let go of the oxygen and the oxygen can't get to the tissues. And, and that can also cause a lot of problems for energy production. And the person can be wiped out. You know, we have a whole episode about... Uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and there are many causes for chronic fatigue syndrome, but this is a common one. So, when I was following uh, advice from a pH from a pH guru before I knew stuff too, um, I wasn't overly anxious, but I was completely wiped out. Like in the apartment that I was living in, there were three steps that went up to my apartment door. And I would literally stop on the second step and rest. Like I needed a break at, the, at that point. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to look at uh, is your blood leaning to alkaline? And then you'll know, okay, maybe I'm doing pH guru stuff, but I'm having these issues. You can run this simple, simple test and look at it and you know, oh, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong direction. I need to close my pH guru book and step away from it. Mm-hmm. So an important thing to understand is how to know if where your blood is at. And what a lot of pH gurus teach us is that we can look we can test our urine and saliva pH and that tells us where our blood pH is. And that's true nowhere. <laughs> there's there's nowhere that that's an actual fact um because urine pH can be way different and have no indication whatsoever to what uh, blood pH is, and same with saliva pH. Mm -hmm. You know, we see that when someone's bile um, is not flowing well at all, and they're a very toxic individual, their saliva pH can be very low, um, and that will have no indication of what the blood pH is. So the way to understand what blood pH is is either by testing the pH of the blood with advanced equipment or you look at a person's breath rate and breath hold time. So can you explain a little bit about why that is and why breath rate changes according to the pH of the blood? Yeah, so as the breath rate increases, what we're seeing happen is the body's respiratory... like system helping to regulate the pH of the blood by it's noticing like your your respiratory system is picking up on the fact that your bloodstream has more CO2 in it than it would like to be and there. And CO2 is acidic. Yeah, right. it's a carbonic acid. So your body is expelling that. It's off-gassing the CO2 to try to keep the pH of the blood balanced just where it should be. However, if you're on the flip side and it's too alkaline, your breath rate will slow down as your body tries to retain more of that CO2 in the bloodstream because it doesn't want it to get too alkaline either. So that's how we use breath rate to help understand like if my breath rate's really fast, your bloodstream's probably leaning too acidic and your body's trying to help by expelling more of that CO2. Or if it's really slow, it's trying to retain more of that CO2. 
Right. And so the body has a mechanism in place to fix these things, but a lot of people are using, uh, you know, almost like drug-like effect, things that are pushing it there forcefully. And But looking at the breath rate is is the way to really get the best idea of where your um, blood pH is. Now, there are pH gurus who say that I confirm this by looking at live blood in a microscope and I've looked at 50,000 people and I know what I'm looking at, so I must be right. And Will and I are both uh, trained in microscopy as well and have used it uh, with clients and we understand how that works and there are benefits uh, to using it, but what happens, like Will explained before, is when those cells are all plumped up with oxygen, it looks a lot better. Like, because you can look at live blood under a slide for somebody with high blood pressure or they're really toxic and their blood's just filthy and, and it looks like garbage. Like, the person's like, holy mackerel, I, I gotta make some changes because I can see that inside my body is garbage. And in this overly alkaline state where all this oxygen is in there, it, just, it looks prettier. No, it looks it looks perfectly clean. Like I remember when I was doing, I was testing myself after about eighteen months following an alkaline diet religiously because I was in intense pain, and my blood looked completely flawless. Like it looked exactly like the guru said it should look, and I was getting worse and worse tetany. And I was like, "What do you think's going on?" And he he said to me, "Oh, you're just probably going through a deep detox. You're a healing crisis." Yeah, this was 18 months. It was getting worse as I was sticking to the diet better. So I I realized like yeah, I have to look further because this is is a problem. And then I actually got clued into it initially through reading Gabriel Cousins' book, Life Food Cuisine, and he talked about alkalosis results in anxiety and tetany. And I was like, what's tetany? I'm like, oh, that's oh, 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 that's no, I have I a name for this thing. I'm like, yeah. oh. And, so yeah. yeah. So this brings up a really important point because um, it appears, now we're not sure, but it appears that there are people beyond Will and I that know stuff about nutrition. Yeah. It's just the appearance. Oh, really? It's weird, I know, I know. <laughs> but it appears that... So there haven't been studies on that yet. Right. Not, it's not, the FDA has not confirmed <laughs> that with us. But no, really, there, there's but none is cute, right? <laughs> but there, no, there. So there are a lot of methods out there to improve your health, to improve specific situations. A, a lot of them are the opposite of what we do, and they still can be very effective. So, but the important thing to understand is that if anybody is telling you that everybody should do this. Or anybody, everybody should do pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. They're wrong, except listen to the podcast. Right, everyone <laughs> should listen to this podcast. Right. Or your ears will well, just it, that, even that's not true. Off. Kenna should not yeah. listen to that because right. she gets her fill of me enough. I mean, that's can you imagine true. if there was more? Right. That okay, would be a problem. Okay, then I'll just top. Uh, but, but one other note on it, like I know, like when I was first helped by the alkaline approach, I was a huge advocate and huge fan of it because it right. totally helped at the start. You know, like. I had really bad eczema that cleared up really quickly. And I now kind of realize like that's just, it's largely because I stopped eating a bunch of garbage when I started the alkaline diet. Right. So let's, we'll, we'll cover that in one second. Don't forget to okay. cover garbage and uh, that you improved. Mm -hmm. um, but so 
the ha- what happens with the pH gurus is when someone starts to feel worse, amazingly worse, and they're gradually getting worse and worse, that they tell us, well, that's just a healing crisis. Your body is removing all of these acids and toxins, and you'll feel better soon. Just stick with it. Well, I, I did not. Uh, Will did not, and we've seen a lot of other people who did not. But once they reverse the situation and fix the overly alkaline issue, they do feel uh, like a, a new human again. So this is real important that to understand that when blood is overly alkaline, that uh, there's a lot of problems that are going to happen. Uh, so, I may be going through a healing crisis with the lack of sugars. Right. So sugars that's, a mean, healing that's a healing crisis. That's a healing crisis I'm going through. Exactly. And it's it's coming <clears throat> out in zits on my face. Yeah. We always, Kenna gets zits every time she's eating correctly because her body is finally gets to where it's, it's going to remove that makes me want to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it usually stops after about a week of, mm-hmm. of when, and then she goes off track and eats junk again and then it comes mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Oops. If you want to learn how to look at your own chemistry to get a better idea of how your unique body is operating, sign up for our KIY or Kick It Yourself membership. Not only do you gain access to our four-week digestion course and our 12-week flagship Kick Your Fat course that normally sells for $129, you also get free shipping at naturalreference.com. Restrictions apply, but since the membership is only $9 a month, if you're already using the supplements we teach people how to use in our books and courses, this membership will pay for itself. You'll also have access to a reference system like you've never seen before. You can not only browse our viewpoint about hundreds of health topics in relation to bio-individuality, the system also allows you to search video and audio content. You even get access to a members-only private support group where you can get feedback from coaches I've trained and I even show up to do live Q&A videos on a monthly basis. All this for $9 a month. It's ridiculous and we don't care, but we just wanted to create a membership that just about anyone could afford. To see more features and sign up, go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash K-I-Y. That's K-I-Y. We'll see you on the inside. Of course we're going to see him on the inside. What kind of idiot wouldn't sign up for all that for nine bucks? Well, I'm, I'm still recording. Ah, I should probably pay attention a little more. So let's talk about the process of looking at your breath rate and breath hold time and what to look at for yourself so that people can test themselves correctly and instead of worrying about I need to look at live blood or I need to have my blood checked by a pH meter, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so just a quick, like, summary. You can generally see if you are in an alkaline imbalance if your breath rate is under, like, at or under 14 breaths per minute, which is the easiest self-test to do. You just count how many breaths you take in a minute. Okay. So here's the trick to that, though, because this can be a little bit tricky because if you know that six breaths a minute is bad, then in your mind you're going to try and speed up your breath rate a little bit. Yeah. So it's really good to to have someone else check it for you. When you're not paying attention. Right. (laughs) You're watching TV or something or or you're having a kid do it while you're sleeping or whatever. Um, But if you have to do it yourself, the trick that I see works the best is to get like an egg timer or your phone has this timer thing on it. Sure. Just set it for a minute and then... You start it and start counting just your inhales while you're relaxed and thinking about happy thoughts. Uh, don't count inhale as one and exhale as two. 
just your inhales. And then when the timer goes off, how many did you get? What did you win? Mm-hmm. Um, so the midpoint is around you know 14 to 18. That's where you're you're solid. Everything's pretty good. Um, but you know we see people that are like six. Yeah. And there's trouble going on. Yeah. I mean I think the fastest I ever saw like someone in the hospital who passed away like three days later. His birthday was 32. Yeah, that's real. That's a lot of trouble. Big imbalance. Yeah. So if it's over 18, that's leading to an acidic imbalance. If it's Mm -hmm. under 14, that's more of an alkaline imbalance in your blood. Right. So you might have some brain damage too if you're only taking six breaths a minute. You're really not though because of the fact that it's not like you need more oxygen or anything. It's it's there. It just needs to get to the right locations. Mm. So you'll see that a lot of uh, people that can hold their breath for a really long time, like they think that they're some kind of champion or like I can, you know, I can go underwater for two minutes. I'm Mm -hmm. awesome. But the reality is those people probably have blood that is leaning to Mm -hmm. alcohol. Like that guy that swam in Antarctica underneath it. It was going viral for a while underneath the ice for like two minutes without taking a breath. Next. Right, so that's very common, and and uh, like when you process sugars, one of the byproducts is carbon dioxide. So, uh, someone who can't process sugars very well will often have a bloodstream that can lean to alkaline. So, like you know, type two diabetics a lot of times will be the best scuba divers because they'll go down with somebody, and when they come up, they only used half the amount of oxygen that the other guy mm-hmm. used. Um, so. It, it's it's just the body adjusting, and it's trying to adjust things to balance out the situation. And we should also note here, like, you don't consciously change your breath rate to try to fix this imbalance. Right. That your body's doing what it needs to do to keep the page on. And if you just try to breathe faster, like you sit there and like, yeah, I'm going to take 16 breaths this minute. <laughs> that's not the way to do it because the, the chemistry is still happening the way it's happening. And now all you're doing is getting in the way of your respiratory system, helping to balance out the pH. Right. You hear about a lot of people in yoga classes where they're teaching them how to slow their breath and, and they pass out. Right. <laughs> you know? Or they're doing what's called breath of fire, this hypotropic breath, which can give you tetany because <laughs> you're breathing out too much CO2. And then I used to that. I get so tingly. I hated breath of fire because I was already too alkaline. And, and so, yeah, these breathing practices, they can be good for other reasons. Like if you want to feel oxygen high or like mm-hmm. if you like tetany, but if, <laughs> but if uh, in general, You'll, you'll want to work on just balancing your chemistry out so that your breath rate naturally occurs right around 16 breaths per minute. So talk about the breath hold test and so, how to do that. Yeah, so the breath hold test is, I think, not as big of an indicator as natural breath rate right. because there's different aptitudes for breath hold, like your determination, you know, uh-huh. uh, trauma. Maybe you were held underwater when you were a kid and you'd hate holding your breath now. Or maybe you're a deep sea diver or a surfer and you have especially expanded lung capacity, how fit, you know, how trained you are like to be able to do that. So there's a lot of very like outlined rules of like if you can hold your breath for over 64 seconds, it's a possible indication of alkalosis or under 41 seconds, a possible indication of acidosis. But the breath rate is really what we want to look at. Right. So it's just like a, the breath hold can just be a confirmation type of thing. And it's just important to do how long can you comfortably hold your breath. Don't try and win a contest or, or be macho or anything like that. But if it's very easy for you to hold your breath 
for a minute and a half, you know, two minutes, then that's a strong indication that your blood may be leaning too alkaline. So that's the way you test. Now, urine and saliva pHs are very valuable to get indications of other things that are going on in the body. It's just not an indication of what's going on with blood pH. And it's the blood pH that uh, most of the gurus are talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty important. Um, so we teach how to do all those other tests and what they mean and everything in our free digestion course at kickinthenuts.com. Mm-hmm. Or if you get the Kick Your Fat in the Nuts uh, free audio book from Audible, then we teach it and all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And if you want to also know more about those those different types of acidosis or alkalosis you may be in, I detail the other measurements that you would do in conjunction with your breath rate and breath hold time by also looking at your urine and saliva pHs and your pulse, actually, to help understand if you're in metabolic acidosis or alkalosis, respiratory alkalosis or acidosis, or potassium-related acidosis or alkalosis. Right, and and so what's important is to understand that there are a lot of people whose blood is leaning to acidic and doing things to improve that can bring great results. And that's where the confusion comes in because someone will uh, get an alkaline water filter and they'll start to drink it and they'll feel better. And so they tell their friend and then their friend does it and they feel 100% worse. Um, But they think that, oh, it must be something else because my friend is feeling better. So what you have to understand is that, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So just because a guru hit a home run with one person doesn't mean that that technique is right for every person. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the water filters before we get into questions. We might not have a lot of time for questions because this topic is something that Will and I have a hard time shutting up about. Mm-hmm. Did was, you leave? I was holding my breath. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've been holding it for the last five minutes. Good job. It might be a little alkaline. Right, you might. So, because these alkaline water filters, you see a lot of people with huge health benefits when they use them. And you see plenty of people that get worse and don't understand why. But let's talk about some of the health benefits of an alkaline water filter. And one of the biggest things that you need to understand is that we need water. (laughs) Right. And... You know, Will and I will see a lot of clients that they'll be like, okay, how much water did you drink yesterday? And they'll be like, well, I, I had some when I brushed my teeth this morning, and I'll probably brush my teeth again <laughs> before I go to bed, so I'll, I'll have some there. And then I just had some coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the body is made of water. It needs water, and you need water to wash out all this junk. So what happens is... Someone goes to some presentation about an alkaline water filter and they watch the video and they get talked into the fact that this will improve their health. So they spend $3,000 on a water filter. And when a guy spends $3,000 on a water filter... Or 7000 Or 7000 right. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm, I was getting the cheaper model. Yeah. But when he spends that much money, do you think he might drink some water? Mm-hmm. He's going to drink water. Like every time he opens his checkbook or looks at his bank account, he's like, like, where's my money? Oh, crap. I'll go drink some water. Uh And just by adding water, a lot of people can see huge, huge health benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of different water alkalizing systems out there. 
that have filters too, which is better than drinking like, you know, unfiltered tap right. water mm-hmm. or lots of bottled waters that may have plastics in it. So that's another potential benefit depending on the filter in your alkalizing water system. But the fact that it's alkaline is actually usually a very, very bad thing. So let's talk about why why that is. Well, other than the fact that it actually has not at all how your body regulates pH, it's not achieving the goal that it's there, the negative thing is that it's neutralizing your stomach acid. The more alkaline it is, the more it neutralizes your stomach acid. And the stomach pH should be somewhere around 1 to 2 which is really acidic. It would burn your skin if, mm-hmm. if your stomach contents spilt on your hands somehow. Like you're shot right. in the, I don't know, horrible <laughs> accident. If someone punched you so hard in the <laughs> stomach vomited. that their hand went in your stomach, you would get revenge by burning their hand. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very new scene for Fight Club. But uh-huh. if that acid got in it, it should, be, it should be that acidic. And now people are drinking pH water that's somewhere like at least – Eight, usually up to like nine or ten, somewhere in that very alkaline. Right. And then also, like if you're like me and like hardcore about it, you would add pH drops that so would bump it up even further to like near calcium levels of like fourteen or something. Right. You know? So you drink that, and it totally neutralizes your stomach acid. So you don't digest protein at all, and you also don't sterilize your food when you eat it because the acid is supposed to do both of those jobs. People feel some temporary symptom relief if they if they're dealing with like low stomach acid levels and they're having some acid reflux or heartburn occur it will get rid of that burning because it'll turn off the acid completely it it will yeah so just like taking tums just like taking a you know right so in every podcast uh even though kenna gets very upset we talk about how digestion should really be and a lot of people believe that you know these drugs that turn off stomach acid are a good idea the problem is you can't break down food, you can't pull nutrients or minerals out of the food that you're eating, and everything that you eat just becomes a toxic mess. So we have a two-part series on digestion uh, on a podcast if you need to listen to that to understand. But um, the problem is with uh, things like Tums, you take those when you're having acid reflux, and it turns off the acid so you can't feel the reflux anymore. The problem is you just completely turned off digestion. And the main ingredient in those type of things is uh, like calcium bicarbonate. It's a very alkaline mineral. So the pH gurus sell these pH drops that have calcium bicarbonate in them, and that's how they're you. That's how they're alkalizing people. So um, if you took you know like baking soda, which is very alkaline, and stirred it up in water and drank it, it that that could affect slightly. And push your blood a little more alkaline eventually as everything went through the system. Um, but you just did that at the cost of turning off all of your digestion. So yeah. it's it's not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and like a lot of these things that I know like you can get so vehemently attached to because you feel benefits from. And like for example, like if you had kind of low stomach acid levels – when you eat meat and protein, it's not going to feel good because you're not going to digest it well. And you might have acid reflux as a result of this low stomach acid, which we talk about in our reflux episode, how that misunderstanding is related to if you don't have enough stomach acid, you get acid reflux. So people are confused thinking that's from too much acid. But say you're one of those people with low stomach acid, you're experiencing heartburn. When you eat protein, it doesn't get digested well. So you have really bad, really low energy and you feel gross when you eat protein. When you take on an alkaline diet, 
all of a sudden you avoid eating the food that was problematic, like the protein you weren't digesting, and you neutralize a little bit of acid you had so you don't have any reflux anymore, and your energy goes up because now you don't have to deal with this toxic meat sitting in your body that you weren't digesting properly. So you feel awesome. It's kind of like how sometimes when people go on the master cleanse and all of a sudden they have all this energy from drinking maple syrup and lemon and not eating any of the foods that they can't digest well. So people get so hooked on it and think, oh, this is the answer. Uh, and then they they can't stick with it because they're not getting all the nutrients that they need. So they feel bad when they break down and they try to eat some old food. Like I remember once when I was deep into the alkaline diet, I just had a really busy day. I was seeing all these like fitness training clients, and I just I didn't get to eat anything until the afternoon. And then I had a steak burrito after like a year on an alkaline <laughs> diet, and I had a fever for like three days. I didn't have any stomach pain there was no like bloating or anything but it was like after it went through my stomach this rotting piece of steak because there was no acidity to break break it it down down i got a fever my body had no clue what to do with that protein when i ate it and it was just a huge problem right and uh, one problem that uh, a lot of these people that their blood is leaning to acidic and they in alkalizing type methods can benefit them is that they can't break down protein because protein is one of the body's biggest buffers for acids. And if a person can't break down protein properly, all these animal proteins that they're eating are not only helping, but they're causing more problems because uh, when they're not digested, they rot and ferment and create all these gases and toxins and and garbage. So um, that's why a lot of the pH gurus say, well, you know, these animal foods are acid forming so stop eating them and they stop eating them and they feel better so one important thing to look at um, when we look at acid and alkaline causing foods I'm doing air quotes right now uh, is that where people run into a problem is when they believe that is true. <laughs> right. <laughs> because what happens is the way they test this is they'll put a food and they'll burn it with a flame and then they'll measure the ash. And if that ash is alkaline, then it's an alkaline-forming food. And if it's acidic, then it's an acid-forming food. So the problem with that is where in the human body is there a flame? It, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with On human physics. my head. Yes, with your red-headed flame. Um, but it's so far from human physiology that it's a complete joke. And when you actually digest food, um, different foods will be digested differently uh, by different people depending on their ability to break down that food, um, their reaction and ability to process any carbs or sugars in that food. Can they emulsify the fats in that food? There's so many factors that's not even worth really talking about that much. But to burn a food, measure the ash, and then say this food is going to do this to your body is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you can look at like a type 2 diabetic, and like we mentioned earlier, their bloodstream is leaning to alkaline. And they're like, usually people who have eaten all these, air quote, acidifying foods in abundance for a long, long time, like donut, all the things that make you diabetic, like high sugar foods, high starch foods, and their bloodstream is too alkaline. So if all those foods are acidic forming, and then they're, the diabetic's bloodstream is too alkaline, what, what happened? What the heck? Yeah. So we, we have to look at the fact that, yes, they're eating all this sugar, but they can't process the sugar. So it's, it's not 
be it's not the processing of the sugar is not creating extra CO2, which can acidify the bloodstream and balance things out. So there, there's a lot more that you have to look at instead of just do I eat celery or a ribeye. I pick a ribeye, by the mm. way, it's just because it's delicious. Maybe a little celery on. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Okay, so maybe we should answer maybe a couple questions. All right, Laura from Los Angeles, California. What should your pHs be? And what does pH stand for? Does Potential stand for? of hydrogen. Oh, okay. So we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but when people are measuring pHs, they're usually measuring P, uh, urine and saliva, and that's different than blood. So don't look at those measurements like they are a factor of where your blood is. Look at your breath rate um, and maybe your breath hold time and use those as measurements to what your blood pH is. Yeah, but there is a lot of useful information from measuring your pHs yep. that we do recommend you do do that, but not as a means of discerning if your blood is too acidic. If you're overly alkaline. Yeah. Right? In general, we want to see your saliva pH somewhere around 6.8 to 7, which we use usually as a reference to uh, one indication of having decent bile flow. If it's really low, like if you see people on intense pharmaceutical medications where their liver is really challenged or, or, I mean, it can happen for lots of reasons, but they'll usually have a very low saliva pH, which shows like, okay, the bile flow is really not really on point. And then ideal saliva pH, that range shifts a little bit depending on your breath rate. Well, your urine pH really shifts. That's more what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant to say, your urine pH. Rate. So in general, though, just for simplicity's sake, a urine pH around 6.0 is good. Yeah, or a little bit lower or a little bit higher for some people, but you do want your saliva pH to be higher than where your urine pH is. And and there's don't just look at that, what we just said, as, okay, i got to get that number because there's a lot of variation in that. And uh, we teach how to look at that in our free four-week digestion course. So use those details to understand what's, what's really optimal for you. Mm-hmm. Adrian, my friend was energized on this diet, but it made me completely wiped out. Zero energy. So that was how I, I kind of went. That's what kind of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the diets will say to remove animal proteins. And what we know is that animal proteins are harder to digest than vegetables. So if a person has compromised digestion, um, they're going to do much better not digesting vegetables than they will not digesting meat. So when they remove that meat, they can really feel energized. Mm-hmm. But if someone's already leaning too alkaline and they're pushing themselves more alkaline, then they're going to cause oxygen utilization issues and they're going to be wiped out. Yeah. I, I talked more about this kind of thing on my blog post at mybioknowledge.net uh, titled What's Wrong with the Master Cleanse, where it's not just the Master Cleanse, but people on a green juice diet, which gurus will say is a very alkalizing diet, uh, will sometimes have incredible amounts of energy or they'll actually be more like manic, hyper-depressive, you know, where they, that's their blood sugar swings up and down. But if you go and check that out, you'll, you'll start to understand why some people feel like it's the best thing ever. But in the medium and, and long run, it can actually be very damaging. Okay. Alan from Los Angeles, California. Why do so many acid alkaline food lists contradict each other? How do you know what is right? So the reason that it's very easy for them to contradict each other is because they're not true. Yeah. So if <laughs> if all of them are not true, it's easy to put 
different stuff on different lists. Mm-hmm. Since it's not true, you might as well mix it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and then you can also look at, like, yeah, what are they using to assess the food? Like, is it the ash, the alkaline or acid ash that mm-hmm. determines it? Or is it the effect on their pH of their urine, you know? Or is it the overall the magic eight ball that right, they shake right. when they look at a food on a page, you know, there's a, and also the fact that different people process different foods differently. So for example, a diabetic, they eat sugar and their bloodstream may become even more alkaline as they push themselves further into that diabetic imbalance and slow oxidation imbalance. Whereas for someone else who's like a young kid who still has good insulin sensitivity, when they eat sugar, their breath rate speeds up even more because they're burning through that sugar. So very clear, like different metabolic effects on different people from different foods. Right. And here's one thing where, where, where we will agree. We will agree that there are foods that for most people, not all, but for most people, they will affect their urine pH or their saliva pH. So with that, we agree, and, and we certainly know that it, it's not the same for everybody, but it's a, enough of a majority that you can pick out some foods and say, this will probably push this this direction for most people. However, they're viewing this like that has anything to do with the bloodstream and its pH, and it just doesn't. Yeah. When Do you have the pH balancing chart in any of your books, like that little list of foods that pushes um, your saliva? I don't think I do. We have it on the Coalition uh, website. Okay, yeah. So if you sign up on the coalitionforhealtheducation.org website, you can get access to this. Or it's ourcoalition.org. Yeah. Um, to the, uh, the pH balancing chart, and we'll see... Like the top left bracket is foods that may push your urine pH down, and the top, the bottom left quadrant, those foods may push your urine pH up. And when you start to understand what's going on behind those foods, we'll see some of them are like pure acids, like vitamin C is ascorbic acid, usually lowers the urine pH. But then we start to look deeper and we see a lot of the foods that affect your pH up or down are things that push you either more anabolic or more catabolic, like different kinds of fats and different amino acids. So then you start to you get deeper into the understanding of like what's really controlling pH, and it has a lot to do with the health and activity of the membranes that your body's made of. I will put one food on one of those lists. Okay. And I'll put it on the acidifying list, and it will be carbonated water. There you go. Yeah. So there's one. The list is one. It's okay. one long. <laughs> and what we'll do uh, a lot with a lot of clients is when their blood is leaning overly alkaline. We'll say, we'll just drink some carbonated water because the CO2 in that water can help acidify the, the bloodstream a little bit. And if someone's leaning a too acidic in the bloodstream, then we'll say, well, don't drink carbonated water. Um, you, there's also some supplements that can help. Uh, choline can help alkalize the bloodstream a little bit. And as a bonus, it can help bile flow a little bit better. So um, that can be a good tool to use for someone who is... Too acidic. So in the carbonated water would be a good for me. If you're too alkaline. No, you're 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 no. usually not too alkaline. Your breath rate is usually higher. Oh. Yeah. And so like if people are like really confused, like okay, now what? I threw out my pH drops, but then I also like, you know, bought a carbonated water thing. Like what else can I do to fix it? And what you really want to do is fix the fundamental chemistry that is uh, resulting in the acidosis or alkalosis, like the anabolic-catabolic imbalance you might be in, or the oxidation, whether you're a slow or fast oxidizer, your nervous system. Uh, inability to digest protein or an inability to process 
uh, carbs and sugars correctly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all those things can push a chemistry in into the wrong direction. Yeah. So when you do your self-test and figure out the different imbalances that you might be in and take steps to correct that, you'll often find that your pHs just balance out as a result of that. And that's, fixing other things. And that's the real way to do it. Rather than just trying to push your pHs around, it's like balance your overall chemistry and the pH will follow suit. Right. The only time that uh, I'll have someone do it is if their breath rate is very high and they could really use some help by balancing that out, giving themselves some... Because, you know, there are, you know, vegetables and, um, and protein have a lot of uh, factors that can help bind to you know, acids and re easier remove them from the, easier, mm -hmm. easier. Mm -hmm. They can easier remove them from the body. I think um, you made that a word, another podcast yeah, too. Yeah, I know. I think I'm going to use it as a word each time. vocabulary now. Um, so there are ways to help that, but, uh, you know, if someone's extreme, you know, people can deal with sleep apnea when their blood is overly alkaline because the body's like, I'm going to slow this breath rate down so much I'm going to get some kind of oxygen to the tissues if I have to kill this guy. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what can be, that's one possible cause of sleep apnea. There's also some flap issues that can cause it. Um, so it's just one. But if someone's in an issue like that, then drinking carbonated water can give them a little bit of a boost to help them feel better while you're trying to fix the other issues that are the underlying causes. Mm -hmm. Ben from Harper, Kansas. Why are animal products acidic? Um, we kind of talked about why. When you burn their ash, <laughs> yeah. When you burn their ash, it's an it's a it's an acidic ash. So bad, bad yeah. chicken. Yeah, yeah. So um, if protein is causing a problem for you, it's likely because you can't digest it, or you're eating insane amounts. Why are you doing that? Stop mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, a clear example. If you, for example, eat butter or ghee, which is an animal product, it's a saturated fat that pushes your body to be more anabolic. And if you do that too much, your urine pH would get higher. So then that's, so, that's an alkaline influence right. on your According urine. According to a, a, a pH guru, yeah. you just alkalize yourself by eating butter. Yeah, or any saturated fat for that matter. Right. right? Like the gristle on steak, like right. that would be an alkalizing effect on your urine. So like you got to think about that a little deeper right so just know that the animal protein being acidic to your body is a is a fictional standpoint okay steve when i was on an alkaline diet it made my sleep apnea worse there's a guy see yeah so like we just talked about like when your bloodstream's too alkaline it'll try to slow your breath rate to retain more CO2 to keep the blood ph balanced and when you're sleeping there's such little metabolic demand most people's breath rate slows down anyway, so that will get even slower because you're not creating as much acid when you're resting. So your body's like, okay, now I have even less CO2 to draw from to try to keep this blood pH balanced. So it'll almost stop your breath rate or sometimes completely stop it for a period of time just to try to get enough CO2 built up in the bloodstream. Right. So does everything we talked about, does, that make, does it make sense as to why you felt better initially when you stopped eating a lot of the garbage and well i mean i think i i felt better when i stopped eating a lot of the garbage because those foods were directly impacting like the toxic reaction my skin was having i had really severe eczema and that stopped 
like instantly. I was at the time I was eating huge amounts of fructose because I thought it was a low glycemic sugar that was a right. good cheap bodybuilder food because I read that it was very low glycemic in muscle and fitness. So that was causing an insane problem with with my skin with this intense eczema. And as soon as I went on an alkaline diet, I stopped eating that because that was an acidifying sugar. I was told, right. and the eczema went away like almost in a day. It stopped itching the first day, and then it was gone within like five days. So and was, you were full on vegan when you did your alkaline diet too. I start yeah. Once I got on it, I was full vegan for like almost two years. Right. So um, let's look at a couple of steps that a person can take if they find out that they their bloodstream is leaning too acidic. Um, so one problem is you. You have to look at the protein situation and you have to look at are you digesting correctly? And we teach you how to look at that in our free four-week course. You look at things like am I bloated after I eat? Do I have acid reflux? Am I seeing food in my stool? Uh, do I burp all the time? Am I bloated? Uh, am I constipated? Do I have diarrhea? You know, if these issues are going on, those are all strong indications that you're not breaking down food properly. And uh, since protein is usually a harder food to break down, we know you're not breaking down protein, and so you don't have that buffer for a lot of those acids. So that's a first step to look at. Yeah, you can also look at, like, is your bioflow working well, and is your body able to metabolize fats and turn them into energy? Because if it's not breaking them down, well, even if you're eating, like, healthy fats, your body's going to be overly reliant on carbohydrates for energy. If it's not really able to tap into like proteins or fats, it's going to use sugar or starches, and that will end up resulting in more CO2 production, causing a faster breath rate. So you you need to be able to use those other fuel sources to get that breath rate to be balanced, like working on your bioflow and eating enough of enough fats so that your body can use them for energy, which will result in a slower breath rate. Right. And if you want to cheat a little bit and ingest something that's going to push that faster, then choline can be a, a beneficial supplement. But using some type of pH drops or alkaline water is going to further turn that digestion off and, and make things worse. Even if the actual water gets in and starts alkalizing some things a little bit, it, it's doing that by, while causing other harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and what about if a person does their breath test and they see that their blood is actually leaning too alkaline? Yeah, then they they need to look at some other things also and see like, is it just because they're drinking alkaline water and they need to stop that, or you know, <laughs> taking antacids that's pushing them in that direction? Um, but you also want to look at your insulin sensitivity, so you can do things like a fasting glucose test or. Um, checking out what your urine-specific gravity is, and see if your body is a little bit insulin-resistant. So that could be a cause of like why you're not producing as much CO2. So if you are like leaning in that direction of being more diabetic, you'd want to take steps to try to get your blood sugar levels to be more balanced and help your body process carbohydrates. Right, better. so a fasting blood sugar reading happens first thing in the morning. You can get a glucometer at any pharmacy, or you probably know a diabetic that might loan you theirs for a night. But... When you test, uh, you want that number to be somewhere between 70 and 90 is an, is an ideal range. And once you go over 100, that's a strong indication that you're dealing with some type of insulin resistance. So you might be eating carbs, but if your body's not processing them correctly, then the CO2 won't be the byproduct of that. And your blood could be leaning a little too alkaline, mm-hmm. which can result in that 
oxygen utilization issues and having a hard time getting oxygen down to the tissues. Um, so those are a few things to kind of look at, but usually when someone's blood pH is off enough that it's causing problems, when they do their self-test and look at their chemistry, usually there's other things that are really screaming, whether it's digestion or other imbalances that are very clear going on. And by improving those imbalances, then you'll fix that underlying problem instead of trying to go up to the pissed off dog and wag his tail to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, when we look at imbalances in a person, there's sort of a hierarchy of priorities, like their electrolyte levels being at the top and then their, their health in relation to the catabolic anabolic imbalance, then their oxidative type, then their nervous system, then pH is all the way down at the bottom because it's, mostly a product of all of those other things and their interplay. So as you start to assess your own chemistry and see where your body chemistry is in all those different respects, um, by the time you get down to like working on the pH, it'll be pretty solved if you've already addressed all the things above it. Right. So if you're looking at, do I want to get a water filter or go on alkaline diet, consider the fact that especially with the filters, you know, your friend may have seen benefits just because it's getting them to drink more water. That's really important. People need water. Um, you know, another problem that I really hate is that so many of them are sold through multi-level marketing things. So mm. a person is not even not only excited because uh, they started drinking water and feel better, mm. but there's also a lot of money involved. So they get excited about that as well. Yeah, and if you want to uh, look at a little chart. Um, I have a, a page on my website at mybodyofknowledge.net. If you just type in the search box, perfect water, uh, it'll talk a lot about a guy we haven't really mentioned yet, Louis Claude Vincent, who's a hydrologist, a water expert, who really understood what the right sort of electrolyte levels were in the different fluid compartments of the body and what ideal water should be like. So we talk about his work there. And then at the bottom, if you scroll down, you'll see what filters are good at filtering out different things, whether it's like heavy metals or mercury or viruses or cysts or you know things like that. So you can look up maybe if you have an RO system or you know these reverse different, osmosis. Yeah, um, you can see which systems are generally good at removing different things. So you can find that on that page, and you also find um, a water system that I really like that was designed in response to Louis Claude's Vincent's research by a company called Pure Water Systems. So I talk about that system there. Cool. Very cool. All right. Today, all of our listeners can get a free audiobook from audible.com. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for all the details. And if you want to learn more about how to look at your own body chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at Kick It In The Nuts. Or you can also check out Will's MyBodyOfKnowledge.net um, page, and he's got lots of great information and self-tests as well there. Yeah, and if you heard something that was helpful, go back to iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate everybody leaving us a review. Uh, that really helps us spread the word. We have like over a hundred and. 40 reviews now, which means that maybe there are more than four people listening. It's really weird. And only weird. half of those people hate me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves Kenna. Yeah. So thanks a lot for doing that, and uh, we'll see you next week.